Welcome everyone to episode one of So Strange. I'm your host, Andy Myers. I'm an author and a paranormal researcher, in addition to being the proud father of an eight-year-old daughter who convinced her whole class that Bigfoot is in fact real. I'm so proud of her. <laughs> Welcome to episode one. Someday we'll look back and we'll say this is where it all began. And today we're going to talk about glitches in the matrix, otherwise known as simulation theory. What if we're living in a computer simulation? A glorified video game that seems real, looks real, tastes real. God, I love pizza. But what if it's not? You know, we as humans can create artificial intelligence that seems, and sometimes is, more intelligent than living people. We've created video games that are almost indistinguishable from real life. Uh, is it so far-fetched to believe that we ourselves might be a, a video game. You know, part of this glitch in the matrix theory, uh, one, one good example that comes to mind is this recent phenomenon of people remembering their youth. And thinking back to childhood, one of the popular books that I always read in grade school was the, uh, the Bernstein Bears. And a lot of people are shocked to realize that the correct pronunciation is and always has, be, has been the Bernstein Bears. And I didn't believe this myself either uh, when I first came across this, but sure enough, you go look at, the, look at old pictures of the old books from the 1980s, it's always been the Bernstein Bears. Another thing that we can reference is something called the Nelson Mandela Effect. And the Mandela Effect stems back to um, a lot of people remember a long time ago, uh, former president of South Africa, Nelson Mandela, was imprisoned. We all know that. And a lot of people remember seeing news articles, reading the paper, uh, with the sad news that he had, in fact, passed away in prison. You know, years later, there's a big hoopla about him finally being released, and people were like, oh, wait, I, wait, I thought he, was, he had been dead for years. Many people remember this with clarity. It's almost like there was a... Uh, a glitch in the matrix, a branch in reality that spiraled off on this tangent where he didn't, in fact, pass away in prison. You know, think about Mario and Luigi of, of Nintendo fame. Most of us can identify with those handsome plumbers, right? So you got Mario and Luigi, and, uh, you know, what if we give them consciousness? You know, a, a sense of, a sense of uh, free will, and uh, let, them go about their, let them go about their day in Super Mario World. And we, as you know, the game creators, sit back and watch what they'll do. And we, we don't want to meddle in their free will. We just watch things unfold. And, uh, but what if we, you know, we accidentally bump the controller, you know, and we move something in their world that wasn't supposed to move? Or better yet, what if there's glitchy code that's written into the 8-bit system? And, you know, there it no longer is a, is a green pipe where there used to be a green pipe that Mario went down. And, you know, conscious, free will Mario says, Wow, that's weird, Luigi. There used to be a green pipe right here. Where did it go? You know, and other things, you have mushrooms popping up where there shouldn't be mushrooms. You have Princess, who's missing from Bowser's castle. And, and all hell breaks loose because glitchy code. Glitches in reality, also known as glitches in the Matrix, are essentially anomalous events which seem to breach the basic rules of normal reality. 
For example, the spontaneous disappearance of objects and people, or physical impossibilities, such as a person walking through solid matter. Again, going to our Mario and Luigi analogy, I think I've seen it myself playing Nintendo as a kid. You know, you see Luigi who's, you know, suddenly goes from running on the ground to running through the clouds and then he disappears altogether, or Mario gets stuck in a brick wall. Or maybe you've played, you know, a, I don't know, a first person shooter game or, you know, a first, you know, a Zelda or whatnot where something happens in the game that, that was never supposed to take place. And it's almost comical at times, but it's also baffling, sometimes frustrating, you know, if it causes you to have to redo a level or uh, lose a life. Uh, but look, looking online, it's an endless rabbit hole of pictures and videos of people seeming to capture this phenomenon. Uh, and that's that's a great thing about today's world, right? You have these, these high-definition uh, cameras readily available at our fingertips. Um, but I, I recently came across, there was one of a, a broom that was hovering in midair. I can't remember if it was on Instagram or TikTok, but it's just this broom. looks like a witch's broom hovering in midair and it looks like someone just knocked the witch off and the broom's just hovering there for minutes and minutes. I don't think they ever found a logical explanation. I came across another one on YouTube. It's this bird, just a black bird in the middle of a city and it's just completely frozen in midair. And it wasn't, you know, a large bird, you know, because I've seen, and maybe you have as well, you know, maybe a hawk or eagle or a larger bird who's going against the wind and is just kind of just kind of hovering in place for a sec, but you can see it wobbling back and forth and adjusting its wings for aerodynamic abilities. No, this bird was frozen, completely frozen, and it didn't appear that there was any wind in the background either. You got people, bystanders on the street and on the sidewalk, all aiming their phones uh, towards this frozen bird, getting getting pictures of it. You know, it, also online you'll come across uh, pictures of people uh, capturing, you know, multiple strangers in a row, maybe, you know, sitting at a bus stop or, or uh, you know, sitting on a tram or a trolley, you know, multiple strangers dressed exactly the same, looking exactly the same, almost as if, you know, if life is a video game, these NPCs, as they've become to known, like a non-player character in a video game is kind of just like a background character. You know, they're not really designed to, to do much, just kind of take up space and make the game seem more real. But we're coming across a lot of examples of this in in real life. You know, maybe the maybe the system operators are getting lazy and they they've only created so many non player characters and so you know, it, it almost reminds me of again, you know, going back to like Nintendo or you know, Super Nintendo, Nintendo 64, and I remember playing hockey games, like NHL hockey games, and you'd look in the audience, and <laughs> there was like only four different uh, types of, uh, you know, fans in the crowd. You know, there's only four different per people, but they kind of uh, intermix them sporadically, and it kind of, I mean, it almost looks like that's happening in real life now. you got a lot of people who are looking eerily similar. It's like, all right, come on, game creators. Can't you at least get a unique background characters? Uh, of course, we wouldn't be calling this phenomenon the Matrix Theory if it weren't for the the movie The Matrix starring Keanu Reeves. If you haven't seen it, um, you <laughs> must have been living under a rock for the past couple decades. Wonderful movie. Uh, a newer edition uh, that's just as good, that's kind of right in this wheelhouse, is called Free Guy, starring Ryan Reynolds. Uh, hands down, one of the best movies I've seen in recent years. I would highly, highly recommend it. I believe you can find it maybe on HBO Plus or, or Netflix. 
but it's it's about Ryan Reynolds, who is a background character in a video game that's eerily similar to Grand Theft Auto. But he suddenly realizes that his reality isn't quite, you know, something's amiss. It's not quite what meets the eye. And so he, he slowly kind of develops the, the idea that he has free will and that he doesn't have to be a background character, that he eventually kind of falls for a uh, another player in the game, and, and hilarity ensues. Um, another honorable mention, a movie that kind of is, you know, similar to this kind of simulation theory that, you know, we're just maybe going through the motions as characters in a video game and there's a higher authority that's kind of pulling the strings, dictating what we can and can't do in our game. And this movie is starring Matt Damon and it is called The Adjustment Bureau. Really romantic movie, kind of uh, in a roundabout way. It's kind of about guardian angels or, or spirit guides, if you will. Um, but again, it's, it's kind of within those parameters of, you know, is our reality real? Or are we just part of a larger simulation that feels real? As we dive in, uh, you'll you'll come to learn as we go through the episodes on this show. Uh, each episode is a mix of uh, stories that I found online, uh, personal accounts of my own that relate to the topic we're discussing, and in some some episodes, I'll even bring on uh, special guests to firsthand share their own accounts with weird, creepy, and strange phenomenon. And as I think you'll find, each story is so very strange. So here we go. The first story is titled, This Guy Who Died and Got a Second Chance. I was a freshman who had just entered high school two weeks prior. Already school was weighing down on me, and I'd been continuing a habit I had of going on long walks to clear my mind. On this day, I had been walking around a pond near my house. There's a trail that goes around the pond, and then the trail leads up to a set of abandoned train tracks on the other side, which sit about 15 feet above the path and pond below. After walking the circle, I was crossing the train tracks when I decided I wanted some ice cream. The fastest way to get to the ice cream shop was to take the path down below the train tracks, but there wasn't any way to cross the pond without going all the way back around, and being 14 years old, I decided that I could just jump from the tracks onto the path below and keep walking. Looking down from above, it didn't seem like it would be that far of a jump, so that's what I did. The next thing I remember after that was being half-conscious in an ambulance. Everything was extremely blurry, and the paramedics sounded slightly panicked. I wasn't able to move either of my legs, so I think they were both broken. This scene continued on for a few moments until we arrived at the hospital and I was wheeled into the emergency room on a stretcher. I only had a few minutes in emergency before I eventually lost all consciousness, and that was the last thing I saw. After I'd been unconscious for what felt like an hour, I opened my eyes and I was on the ground. I just hit the ground after jumping, but this time I was fully conscious. I hadn't noticed this before I jumped, but there had been a car parked watching me. I think they thought I was attempting suicide, but it probably looked that way, and the people in it had jumped out and called an ambulance for me. The ambulance ride had been the exact same as it was the first time, and I was put into the same emergency room that I had died in before. The only difference between the two events were that I was fully conscious this time and my injuries were much more minor. I was discharged from the hospital that same night with only stitches in my lip, 
a slightly fractured jaw, and a mild concussion. For a while after this, I assumed that the first scenario had just been a wildly coincidental dream that I'd had while I was unconscious, so I didn't really consider it anything abnormal. It wasn't until a few weeks after when my mom told me that the people who had helped me said that I had been unconscious the entire time. I hadn't been knocked out after hitting the ground or anything. So that entire scenario managed to happen in the few seconds it took for me to hit the ground while I was still conscious. This is a strange one, folks. It goes without saying, you know, anyone who's endured trauma, you know, a car accident or, or a scary situation, time does seem to, to move slower in that moment. Um, you know, was this guy foreseeing possible future realities? Um, it's, it's hard to tell. But I, I do know that many people believe that every action uh, almost branches out uh, an alternate reality for us. So everything we do or choose not to do uh, causes another another fork, another branch in our reality. And so since we make, you know, gosh, thousands upon thousands of decisions over the course of, of a week or a month, you know, we create one of millions of potential futures that we could be living. And in any case, I'm glad that guy survived, and uh, I'm sure he'll be uh, scratching his head <laughs> or his fractured jaw uh, for the rest of his life, but I'm glad he survived. This next story is titled, Dumped by a Girlfriend Who Was Never His Girlfriend. So I guess a little context is in order. My girlfriend and I had been together for about a year at the time. Never had big problems, we were both pretty relaxed people, never have had a big fight, never had trust issues, or anything like that. So one day I was out in front of my apartment building smoking a cigarette. This was before we lived together. I had seen her the night before, had a nice dinner, gone out to a bar, then gone to my place, after which she took a taxi home. So as I'm standing out in front of my apartment building, she pulls up in a taxi. I wasn't expecting her and was pleasantly surprised to see her. I put out my cigarette, smiled, and walked up saying something like, Hey, what are you doing here? My tone was very friendly. She scours at me and slaps me square across the jaw. Obviously, I'm dumbfounded and at a loss for words, so I just kind of look at her. She never said anything, just barged past me into the building. I followed her up to my apartment, asking her what was happening the whole way. She goes into my apartment, grabs her bag and some of her stuff she left there, throws a few things at me, breaking a glass or two, and knocking down a bunch of stuff on a shelf. She calls me a pig, says she knows everything, and that I've broken her heart. I'm still trying to figure out what's going on, obviously, and she stops on her way out when I touch her sleeve. She glares at me again and slaps me. She tells me something like, I hope I never see you again. And then she walks out. I followed her to the street, and she got in her cab and drove off. The street was pretty empty. This was maybe 8 or 9 a.m., and I watched her drive off. At this point, I'm just lost for words. I'm scared and sad. Then, as I'm watching the cab drive away, someone hugs me around my waist from behind. I turn around, and it's her, in running clothes, but she was wearing heels and a leather jacket when I saw her just seconds earlier. I went completely pale. She says, hi, in her usual happy-go-lucky tone, and then noticed my look, and she said, what's wrong? I spun around and saw no taxi. It had literally driven away five seconds earlier. No way it could have turned in that amount of time, and all the lights were red. 
I didn't say anything to her, I just ran upstairs. Her bag was gone, things were still broken, my door was still wide open. And then I told her. We were both monumentally confused. There's no way I could have mixed her up with anyone else. We had security check the cameras, and sure enough, me it showed me following a girl to my apartment. The angles weren't great, and the film wasn't great quality, but it was pretty easy to see me in my face. But hers was always hard to make out. Looked a hell of a lot like her, but never a clear shot. Oh boy. Uh, one girlfriend angry... Uh, is is enough to deal with um, when you got an angry girlfriend and one that's uh, squeezing you around the waist moments later. Uh, that's that's enough to that's enough to make your head spin. It kind of in the wheelhouse of uh, another phenomenon known as uh, doppelgangers. If you haven't heard of doppelgangers, it's a German word. It basically translates to double self. You know, it's a worldwide phenomenon of you know people who you know claim to, you know, see a, a, another person that looks just like them. Or it could be you seeing another person who looks identical to your friend. Um, makes me wonder if that's what happened here. But, you know, the even if there was a, another person who looked exactly like this guy's girlfriend, it still doesn't explain why they were both, you know, involved in his life. You know, most doppelganger accounts are kind of benign and, and uh, maybe creepy, but you know, definitely, uh, why would a doppelganger, you know, slap him across the face and accuse him of something unless she recognized him as well? Uh, one kind of strange doppelganger experience, uh, that, that I was a part of, um, my, my daughter, Sky, uh, her mom and I are no longer together, but everyone's on good terms. So, you know, we talk every day and call each other to see how we're doing. And I remember one, one day I was here in my home city of Omaha and I was, I was just taking a drive on the North part of the city, driving around a park. And I get a call from Sky's mom, Kenzie. And Kenzie says, Hey, we, we, uh, we, we, we see you at a, at a gas station. You must be, uh, out near our neck of the woods. And I said, no, I'm, I'm in North Omaha driving around a park. And she said, no, that's, we're, we're, we're looking at you right now. It's, it's you with your old fashioned style of hat. You're, you're driving the Toyota RAV4 with the, the you know, the Bigfoot, uh, with the Bigfoot stickers on the back window. And I said, no, I swear to God, I'm not anywhere near where you guys are at. I'm like 15 miles away on the other part of the city. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm glad nobody slapped me across the face, I can tell you that much, but we never did put two and two together, because still to this day, she says it was me. It wasn't somebody who looked like me, it was me. Same appearance, same physique, same bowed legs, <laughs> same, same crooked nose, same fashion style of hat. Um, so I don't know, I, I just kind of said, uh, you know, if there is two of me, I guess that explains why I'm so tired all the time. <laughs> Uh, doing uh, doing twice the amount of work throughout a given day. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. This next article that I found is titled, Lost Four Hours of His Life, But the Girlfriend Did Too. Eight years ago, I was living in a two-bedroom apartment by myself with two cats. 
I had a girlfriend who I will call Elsa for this story, and she lived 45 minutes away on her college campus. Most weekends, she would drive into town and stay at my place until she had class again on Monday. We did regular things as we didn't get to see much of each other. We liked to spend time alone together, watching movies, playing games, or the like. Please keep in mind that neither of us were drug or alcohol users, as I have a good job and I can't risk losing it, and she just simply never cared for intoxicants. Nor were either of us on any medication at the time. So here's the scene. It's Saturday night at 11 p.m., Elsa and I are sitting on the couch watching a movie. I can't remember which one. We are dressed, sober, and alert as we slept in that morning and had plenty of sleep. We're chatting, laughing, and talking. The TV is illuminating our immediate area, and I kept the light on in the kitchen to provide some ambient light for the living room as well. My cats are asleep in their favorite chair, all is well. Everyone is safe and comfortable. Suddenly, without any kind of warning or inkling, the jump, as I have come to call it, happened. While we were having a good time together in the living room, in an instant I found myself sitting on the floor of my bedroom, clothes removed in the dark. For about a half a second, a million thoughts entered my mind. Had something fallen off the wall and hit my head? Did I have a seizure? Was I dreaming the whole time? And where was Elsa? Then the scary part happened. I turned to my right and Elsa is also sitting on the floor of the bed next to me, clothes removed. Her eyes are the size of golf balls and she's trembling. I realize that I'm trembling as well. I try to speak and ask her if something happened, but I'm so frightened. I only stutter. After looking around the room and realizing we're alive, she managed to ask me what happened. I didn't want to answer in case it was just me, and I didn't want to come off as nuts, so I just looked at her. After a pause, she started asking me again if I had turned off the lights or removed our clothes or if I knew what was going on. I didn't. Neither of us had experienced grogginess or confusion before the event. Furthermore, we didn't experience any sensations other than fear and confusion after it. No aches or pains, no bumps, bruises, or cuts. I reached for my phone to call my mom and see if a doctor would be appropriate. I noticed that it is not 11 p.m. anymore. Now it's 3 a.m. In that sudden instant, that instantaneous change of scene, four hours had passed. Everything in the house had been turned off and we had been stripped. We went to the ER as my mom's fear was a gas leak. No signs of toxins or injury were found on either of us. Elsa made an appointment for a CAT scan, which also came back as expected, completely normal. I explored possibilities like a gas leak, poisoned consumer goods like our soda or fast food, neurological malfunctions, and more. But the one thing that always bothered me was the fact that Elsa and I lost and acquired the time at the exact same instant four hours apart. Neither of us witnessed anything that the other didn't, and there were no lingering effects. For weeks, I kept bringing it up with her, just hoping one of us would remember something. I browsed forums for all types of sites, searching for answers. Every time I brought it up, Elsa would get scared at the memory and beg me to just let it go. I couldn't. Well, uh, yeah, that'll, that'll put a kink in your, in your nightly plans. Um, missing time. It's a rare phenomena, but it, it has occurred. Uh, there are many accounts of people who experience missing time. It's a, it's an event that's usually associated with alien abduction. You know, people who have a, 
a groggy recollection or a dream that they were taken and, you know, experiments were done on them. Or at the very least, you know, people are driving down the road and they see uh, unidentified kind of light in the sky that's following them. And suddenly they come to and, you know, they're parked on the side of the road and they're maybe their clothes are a little disheveled and they don't know what happened. Um, one of the famous, <laughs> one of the famous uh, stories that comes to mind of, of missing time, uh, uh, Betty and Barney Hill, uh, back in the day, were, um, you know, a light followed them through uh, a rural area and they got confused and, you know, through hypnotherapy were able to piece together what happened during their missing time and they, they believe that they were experimented on by extraterrestrial beings. Um, but in the case here, you know, with these two, with these two lovebirds, there was nothing leading up to it. They're just sitting there watching the watching TV, minding their own business and the and the comfort of their own place. I mean, good lord, I, I I don't know. It's all it's all fun till the probings begin. But on a serious note, I'm glad their cat scans and everything came back as completely normal. But four hours of missing time. God, I I mean, I lose about an hour of my life every day watching my daughter put her shoes on. Bless her heart. <laughs> I call her my little baby snail. She She's not in a hurry to do much of anything. But, hey, I can deal with that. I can be patient with the shoe putting on as long as I'm not missing four hours and wake up butt naked in my bedroom. This next story is titled, Grandparents Are Always Experiencing Crazy Things. I only vaguely remember the incident, but one night, very late, both of my grandparents were woken up by a loud sound. My grandmother swore it was a shotgun. My grandpa said it was a car backfiring since there was no one nearby who would be shooting. We lived pretty far from anyone, but near a highway. They bickered over it for a while, and then they went back to bed. About 15 minutes or so later, the phone rang. It was my aunt. Her husband had been shot with a shotgun by a neighbor just 20 minutes before. The thing is, they lived seven states away. Well, it doesn't give a follow-up. Uh, as to if the uncle survived the gunshot by the neighbor or not, and I certainly hope he did. Um, but here we have a strange situation. You know, obviously the sound of a shotgun cannot uh, cannot travel seven states away uh, for these people to hear it. But, you know, there are accounts of, you know, events that kind of transcend space and time, people who can see or hear into the future or into the past or to a location that's nowhere near where they're at. Uh, one one thing came to mind. I once experienced something kind of kind of bizarre myself, and thankfully it didn't have to do with a shotgun. But true story, uh, I was laying in bed with my then girlfriend a long time ago, and I I, I had a dream that a, a a silver car had plowed into a telephone pole, and I and when it hit, there was a loud bang, just a boom. And it was so loud and jarring in my dream that um, I woke up. But the, the crazy thing was, is what actually woke me up was a bang in real life. So an audible bang somewhere in my neighborhood occurred at the same time that the car in my dream hit the telephone pole. So I sat upright and I was, you know, heart's beating and kind of confused. And I looked over and said to my girlfriend, I said, did you hear that? My God, what was that? And she says, yeah, I heard it too. And then moments later we heard... Um, emergency vehicles we heard ambulance and police cars and i thought wow that is that's really strange i wonder what's going on anyway we go back to bed and the next day we we report for work we actually worked together and and the place that we worked at was right in that same neighborhood 
So we get to we get to work, and I talked to one of my coworkers. She also lived in the same neighborhood, and I said, "Hey, did you did you hear? Was there anything on the news about a, a bang, or you know, did something explode in the middle of the night?" And she says, "Oh yeah, sure enough. Uh, uh, according to the news, a silver car had plowed into a telephone pole, and the loud boom was that was the transformer blowing, and it knocked out the power to some of the neighborhood apparently." And so I, I was left scratching my head, you know, wondering if, you know, was this a case of astral projection? You know, was my <laughs> was my third eye or part of my soul, you know, I don't know, floating outside my body into a part of the neighborhood where I saw this car accident happen in real time? Um, still can't fully explain it, but I can't deny that it happened either. And uh, it's it's just it's weird. So I know, you know, both images sounds um i know it's it sounds strange but you know things like this can occur and i i for one wonder if uh if this person's grandma maybe heard the shotgun seven states away um it's kind of funny how uh, you know the laws of physics can be bent a little bit when it comes to you know something happening to our loved ones this next story is titled this employee got to work and learned he had called himself in sick hours earlier. This happened in early 2000 when I was working at a juvenile detention center in a small town in Oklahoma as a corrections officer. I was working nights at the time and went to work at 9 o'clock p.m. One night when I arrived for work, my supervisor looked confused and asked me what I was doing there. I said, I work tonight. And he said, but they told me you called in a few hours ago saying that you were sick. I was a bit confused and said, eh, it must have been someone else, and they got the message wrong. After everyone else showed up for work that night, it was a bit more weird, but we carried on as usual and assigned everyone their places for the night. I went to work in the control room where I usually worked. The control room is the center of the prison that has direct control over the cameras, doors, phones, and everything. After I relieved the guard on duty and settled in for the night, I looked at the message that said I called in. It said that I had called at 6.50 and said that I had gotten sick while out cleaning up after a storm. There had been a storm the night before, and it was a bit bad, but not anything that I would go out to clean up. It was truly weird. The supervisor came into the control room about that time. He was also a friend of mine outside of work, and we started talking about it and how odd it was. I decided to call my wife at home and tell her about it while he was still sitting there. I picked up the phone and dialed. After two rings, a man picked up the phone and with a raspy voice said, Hello? I didn't know what to say for a few seconds. I looked at the phone to make sure I dialed the right number, and I had. After a few seconds, the person said, Hello again, in the same raspy voice. I said, Hello? Who is this? This is Taylor. Who is this? The person said. My head started spinning because my name is also Taylor. I said in almost a scream, Where's Anne? He says, Anne's in bed. Who's this? I dropped the phone and told my supervisor to ring me out. I had to go home, and I took off towards the door. I could hear Dave pick up the phone behind me and say, Hello? Followed soon after by, What the hell? I ran to my car and drove home faster than what was legal, my mind racing the entire time. I burst through the door, and my wife was sitting watching TV and was shocked that I was home. I asked her who was there, and she said, No one has been here. After a rather long talk with my wife, I went to call the prison to tell them what was going on, but the phone was dead. I went back to work, and when I came in, Dave was acting weird and asked me, 
How the hell are you doing this? He told me that when I left, he picked up the phone and the person on the other end sounded like me. He kind of freaked out and hung up the phone. A minute later, as he could see my car leaving the parking lot, I had called back from home and asked what the hell was going on. He then said that I was a bit irate and said that I was sick and did not feel like playing these games and was telling him to stop prank calling me and hung up. After convincing him I had no idea what was going on, we went back to work. Later, I found out that the phone line for my area had been knocked down the night before by the storm. This is absolutely the strangest thing that has ever happened to me. Well, if you don't have goosebumps now, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. This this is one of the strangest stories I've ever heard. Uh, you know, you got one guy allegedly multiple places. He, 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 he there's there's no explanation for it. You know, he's he's at work and people say he's at home. He's at home and people say he's at work. Phone lines were dead the whole time, which makes it impossible. Uh, this I read this story years ago, and it was it was so strange that it stuck with me and has haunted me for for years. I actually spent uh, more than an hour today trying to find this article online, and I had to dig through a lot of different articles, but I finally finally found it. That's that's a doozy. This next submission is called "Disappearing Object." And I'm going to paraphrase this one uh, because it was written in kind of a choppy fashion with little to no punctuation, but an allegedly true story of a lady who um, had a few dogs at home and they woke up in the middle of the night uh, needing to go to the bathroom. Uh, she was thirsty, so she grabbed her water bottle from the kitchen, big, huge pink water bottle. She says it was ginormous. It was like a two liter water bottle. And so she took her dogs out to pee. She's sipping on her drink. They come back inside. She sets this big, huge pink water bottle on the kitchen table. She turns around, and she's fishing out a treat from the cabinet for the dog. Well, she hears a something crash to the floor. She assumes it's her water bottle, and uh, so she thinks, okay, I'll, I'll just get that in a second when I turn back around. Well, after she gets the treats and turns back around, her water water bottle is nowhere to be found. Uh, it's not on the table, but it's also not on the floor. And so she thinks that, you know, what if it rolled into a different area of the kitchen? It, she never found it. Never found the water bottle. She heard it crash to the floor, uh, but unless it went through the floor into another dimension, uh, not not really sure what to make of that one. I have a theory that the water bottle probably crashed into that alternate universe uh and, and is now with all the mismatched socks that we've lost over the years. This next submission is called Literally Saw the Matrix. So this happened a few months ago, around mid-March. I woke up in the morning, checked the time on my phone, and laid in bed staring at the ceiling for 30 seconds or so. Suddenly I got the urge to cover one of my eyes. Not really sure why, but I covered my left eye and was staring at the ceiling with my right eye, then suddenly saw a sequence of numbers from, like, inside my eyes. It's hard to explain. It. It's kind of like I was seeing a projection. All these numbers kept flashing, then it suddenly stopped after 10 to 15 seconds, and I could see the ceiling again. I got up from my bed, wondering what the heck just happened. For the rest of that day, my right eye was insanely dry and bloodshot. It was so bad that I bought eye drops for the first time in my whole life. 
<laughs> reading the part about her covering one eye and, you know, literally seeing a matrix of numbers trickling down kind of reminds me of that, you know, when you go to the eye doctor and you cover one eye and you have to read the eye chart, <laughs> A, F, P, Z, Q, but instead of seeing it, yeah, she, she saw the matrix. So, uh, ones and zeros, zeros and ones, <laughs> you know, if our reality truly is a simulation and there's binary code, maybe that's what she was seeing. This next story is called, My Daughter and I Saw a Man Appear from Nowhere and Enter a Bathroom Never to Come Out. My daughter was around 15 or 16 years old at the time. I was standing in a convenience store with her and I was waiting to use the men's restroom and she was waiting with me. A guy came out and I started walking towards the door when a shorter guy comes out from behind a shelf and cuts me off, getting into the restroom before me. You could hear the door lock. We waited for a few minutes standing in front of the door. I started to get impatient, so I knocked on the door, but nobody answered. I tried the handle, and to my surprise, it was unlocked. I opened the door, and there was nobody in there. There was no way to get into the ceiling area, and the guy simply just didn't come out. We would have seen him come out, and we didn't hear the door unlock at all. My daughter noticed it as well, and it freaked us out. Well, <laughs> when you gotta go, you gotta go. And apparently that guy had to go to a different dimension or a different reality. Or uh, as we're talking about glitches in the Matrix, maybe he was never real to begin with. This next article is titled Toddler's Freeze Glitch. And kind of like one of the past stories, it uh, was written in kind of a choppy, uh, rushed manner. So I'm just going to paraphrase what happened. Uh, there was a Montessori school teacher and... Uh, that starts at age 18 months and goes all the way up to eight years. Um, so apparently this submitters, uh, the person who submitted this story, her coworker had to use the bathroom. So she went to her friend's room and was filling in watching six kids that were all about 18 months to two years old. And all the kids were apparently running around being kids. You know, they were playing games, chasing each other, uh, you know, singing songs, being crazy. And so one of the, one of the other, uh, teachers nearby um, looked across the room and noticed that something wasn't quite right. So this person kind of did a double take and she noticed that, that all the kid, like a couple of the kids in the room had frozen, like legit froze. Like one was bent down about to pick something up off, off the floor, but was completely frozen. Uh, there was another one that was in mid stride, but had kind of, you know, frozen as if somebody, like if it was a movie and somebody hit the pause button, apparently all the background noise was still happening. Um, she could hear other conversations being, uh, taking place outside the, uh, outside the classroom. She said this lasted for about three seconds. And just as she was about to say something, everything just kind of resumed again, you know, like the, like the, like the record, uh, the, the record scratch picked up again and, and ever, and time started to, to run smoothly again. She says that this is the first weird thing that she's ever experienced, but she will never forget it. Time is a funny thing. You know, we, we, uh, we think time is, is so linear, but you know, there's, there's so many cases of people out there who, who, um, can hear and see uh, things into the past and into the future. Um, I've personally spoken with many sane, credible people who can hear old-fashioned music playing in the background. 
you know, just a faint somewhere outside this kind of indescribable kind of music box or old-timey kind of, you know, calliope-type instrument that you might hear at an old saloon. And some of these people who have reported this to me live out in way rural areas, like they're the only house, you know, on umpteen acres of land. I've also heard accounts of, you know, mothers uh, hearing full-blown conversations of, you know, their children speaking in the playroom. Uh, Only problem is their children were gone at school (laughs) during that moment. Uh, time's, time's a real funny thing. And we'll get into time slips on a upcoming episode. That's another one of my absolute favorite topics, time slips, people who seemingly fall randomly into the past or into the, or into the future. Uh, in my youth, uh, I remember one time my family was staying at a, at a hotel. Some friends of ours from Minnesota had come in town and as was the 80s, <laughs> all the parents were inside having some drinks and all the kids were running around like wild banshees outside with absolutely no supervision. Gotta love the 80s. Uh, so we were outside and not only were we unsupervised, the whole area around the hotel was under construction and there was these massive concrete tubes. Now, I don't claim to know much about construction, but these tubes were big enough that, you know, as a eight-year-old, you know, we could run, we could literally run through them if we ducked just a little bit. And so we were playing hide-and-go-seek, and obviously a lot of us were using this tunnel. And I remember watching one of my friends, I think it was Patrick, he ran in one side of the tube and came out the other side in no more than a second, one second tops. This tube was at least 10 yards long. And, you know, gosh, you know, not even uh, an Olympic sprinter would be hard-pressed to get through it that quickly. But it was instantaneous, as if, like, he stepped into the tube right now, and then a split nanosecond later, he popped out the other side. You know, and I remember, even as a as a youngster, it caught me so off guard. And it, it was just so... Um, I was just dumbfounded, and I stood there, and I think someone, you know, came up and tagged me because I wasn't paying attention, but still, I have no explanation uh, other than it was it a glitch in the matrix, was it a time slip, uh, I'm, I'm not really sure. These next two stories are similar, and this one doesn't have a title, but I, I rounded it up, and uh, it's a good one. Driving home on a stormy day, I see that a side road up to the local golf course is blocked by a flashing barricades. I also spy a Mercedes parked past the barricades with its hazards on. I stop and walk up to the car to see if they need help. I'm an EMT, so naturally. I shine my light in the back seat to see a man slumped over, apparently sleeping. Thinking I've got a few drunks here, I move up to the driver's window and rap on the glass and shine my light in. The driver is sitting bolt upright, unmoving, staring straight ahead. My window wrapping or light doesn't cause him to blink, flinch, or move. I look over and the passenger is slumped forward onto the dash. This begins to creep me out, so I call down to the sheriff's station and and request a code 2, which is no lights or sirens, and the unit comes up to the location to help me check them out, and the doors are locked. While on the phone, I walk back to my truck to grab my go bag, and as I'm on the phone with dispatch, she asks me to grab a license number. At this point, a cherry picker truck comes rumbling down from up the closed road. It was from the power company. So I move to go around the truck to get the plate number, and the car is gone. I talked to the driver of the truck, and he said that there was an 80-foot tree down across the road and that he didn't think it was going to be open for a day or so. So the question is, where the hell did the car go? 
Tree up one way, barricades down on the other. It's kept me a bit unsettled when stopping at accidents and hazards since then. Well, the car just up and disappeared. You know, the part of the story that uh, kind of gives me the chills the most is that the, the guy in the driver's seat was just staring straight ahead with a expressionless, um, <laughs> with no, no expression on his face. Um, so again, one would naturally think, okay, maybe he's on drugs. Maybe the passenger was, was drunk. Um, do we have a couple of ghosts here that just disappeared into thin air or was this a, a glitch in the matrix? You know, had these guys wandered so far off the level, <laughs> if life's a video game, were they on the perimeter of the level where they weren't supposed to be and got kind of glitchy and, and they just, they just up and disappeared altogether. This next story is very similar. My boyfriend told this one to me, and his sister and mom confirm it. He was driving through Texas on his way to visit relatives. It's the dead of night on a two-lane highway in the middle of nowhere. He hasn't passed a gas station in a while, and his tank was getting low, so decided to fill up at the next available station. After a while, he rolls into a small town. There's a lit-up diner on the right and a local gas station on the left. All the lights are on and the cars are filling up, so he figures this place is open. It seems to be exceptionally busy for this time of night, but he really needs gas, so he decides to wait in line to fill up. There's only two cars ahead of him, so it shouldn't take long. At this point, his sister wakes up in the back seat. What's taking so long? she asks. It's been like ten minutes and that one car has moved. Then, all of a sudden, his sister says, None of these people are moving. Sure enough, the people waiting in the cars, the people filling up, the cashier, and the people in the convenience store, none of them had moved since they pulled up to the station. His heart is racing at this point, but he pulls up to get a closer look. Sure enough, every single person at this gas station is like a mannequin. So basically, they peeled out of there and never looked back. I wish they had taken pictures, because I would have loved to see it. All right here. <laughs> Either we have a elaborate prank where somebody, you know, inserted mannequins into this place and turned all the lights on, or, you know, thinking back to that Montessori daycare, we have a case of people just simply freezing, you know, glitch in the matrix. You've seen it happen. You know, again, going back to uh, video game analogies, if you played a video game, you know, you've probably seen it happen where the game just freezes, the screen you know, the screen stops moving, you have to reset it or reboot it, and uh, I don't know where the reset button is for life itself, but uh, that's that's a doozy. That one gave me goosebumps. And before we close episode one, I thought I'd insert one last story. Uh, it's not actually my story, but it's a, it's a good one that my grandma Myers told me, and uh, my grandma was well-traveled. You know, I'm pretty sure she made it to all 50 of the, or excuse me, all 48 of the continental United States, uh, her and my grandpa, uh, people lovingly called him Boompa, but my grandma and Boompa, uh, they were notorious for, you know, grabbing their bags and throwing it in their station wagon. And every, gosh, every, you know, three day weekend or chance to get away, they'd pack the car and drive off to God knows where. And uh, one time she told me they were in Kansas, middle of nowhere, Kansas. And, and, you know, this is well before GPS. So my grandpa always drove. And on the map, where they were going from point A to point B should not have taken more than a half an hour. But the map must have been outdated because she said they had been driving for hours. And 
it was so weird because they hadn't seen anybody. Like, no, not a town, no other cars. In fact, they were starting to get low on gas, and they were starting to get kind of nervous because, you know, if you run out of gas in the middle of nowhere, you're kind of screwed. So they come across, finally, they come across up in the distance, it looks like an old farmhouse. And she says, it old, it was old. It was dilapidated, it was falling apart, you know, the paint was falling off the, the siding, just this kind of old house that looked like it had been there a hundred years. And so my my grandpa pulls into the gravel driveway, boompa, and he gets out of the car and he walks up to the door, and the door's open, it was, so it was just a screen door uh, separating the house from the porch. And he looks inside and he said it was a it was a table and it was set for dinner. There were four spots on the table where there was a, a plate with piping hot food. He could see the steam coming off the food. And in the sink in the kitchen, the water was running. So he, you know, he raps on the door and he kind of, you know, politely hollers in, Hello, anybody home? We're, we're a little lost. Now, mind you, this was the 70s or 80s and, <laughs> you know, people were much more friendly back then. So they expected, you know, a, a nice, nice local to point them in the right direction to the nearest gas station. Well, a moment or two passes, and, and nobody nobody's to be seen. And so he knocks a little harder and yells a little louder, Hello, anybody home? And nobody ever came to the door. And, I mean, like five minutes have passed, and he's thinking, Well, that doesn't make any sense. These people's dinner's going to get cold right, you know, right before my very eyes. So, you know, not wanting to intrude, uh, he tucks his hands in his pockets, and he walks back to the car shrugs his shoulders and gets back in and he tells my grandma well I, I don't know what to tell you it looked like somebody was home but yet nobody was home so they they head down the highway uh, you know kind of really white knuckling the steering wheel because at this point uh, you know their low gas light is on and then you know they're, they're getting a little getting a little concerned and finally off in the distance coming towards them in the opposite lane of the highway was an old-fashioned blue pickup truck and my grandma said, you know, hot dog, you know, finally, a, finally a person, flag him down. You know, being that they were the only two cars on the highway, uh, the other car, uh, car obliged as I got closer and both vehicles kind of come to a stop, uh, parked right next to each other, stopped in the middle of the highway. And inside the, the old blue truck was a, was an old farmer. And my grandma said he looked old. He looked old and weathered. He had a million wrinkles on his face. He wore this old dusty cowboy hat. And he was kind of gruff and kind of quiet. Looked a little irritated that they had flagged him down. In the passenger seat of the old blue truck was a young boy. And he wore a ball cap. And he, as, as they were talking, asking for directions, the young teenage boy kept pulling his ball cap further and further down his face, almost like to hide his face, like he didn't want to be seen. So Boompa asks the old rancher, you know, hey, we're a little turned around, haven't seen a gas station, can you point us in the direction of the nearest town? And the old gruff rancher says something, oh yeah, you're on the right path, just keep going straight ahead. So Boompa thanks him, puts the car into gear, uh, both cars pull off in opposite directions and they go on their way. Well, about three seconds later, my grandma brings up a good point. She says, hey turn around and go ask him how much further up the road the gas station is because we, we've only got a couple couple miles till we're going to be on empty. So my grandpa, Boompa, he pulls a quick U-turn, you know, not more than five seconds later, races off to try to flag down the truck one more time, and in that five seconds, that truck had completely vanished. 
and my grandma was adamant when she told me this story in my youth. She says there was no trees, there was no corn, there was no ditch or anything that this car could have, that this old truck could have hidden in. In that amount of time, she says it was simply there, and then it wasn't. And as you can imagine, hearing this story as a ten-year-old, it caused me to lose a, a day or two of sleep. But I only bring this up. You know, we, we could have mentioned this on a on a ghost episode or on an episode of disappearing objects, but uh, it makes me think of Glitch in the Matrix because, you know, thinking back to that old farmhouse with the piping hot food on the table and the water running and nobody answered, it's eerie on a whole nother level. I mean, if life really is a simulation or a video game, what if they had made it to a level that wasn't done rendering? You know, what if it was, what if that level was buffering and it was loading and it was glitchy, you know, almost like the background was there, but the characters hadn't popped up yet. And it makes me wonder if uh, they were at a place in time, a level, so to speak, that they weren't intended to see. And as far as, as far as the disappearing ghost truck, uh, barring some earthly explanation that we can't fathom, uh, either you have an old rancher who's a ghost and one minute he's there and the next minute he's not. Or you have yourself a glitch in the matrix. Well, that about does it for episode one of So Strange. Um, feel free to, to rate and review the show on your, on your podcast platform of choice. If you like this episode, you may find, uh, uh, a lot of, a lot of chuckles over at my other podcast. The other one is called Paranormal Dads. Uh, we talk about all sorts of paranormal shenanigans with my good buddies Eddie and Pat, and Paranormal Dads has a good, uh, 70 or so episodes up and running and ready for you. Uh, if you have a weird story involving glitches in the matrix, simulation theory, anything, anything at all, Bigfoot, UFO, paranormal, uh, you can submit your stories to me at andymyersmanagement at gmail.com. We'll go ahead and put that in the show notes as well. Uh, but I do want to remind everyone, uh, keep your phone handy. <laughs> Be ready at any time to record, to take pictures of things in your surroundings that don't quite seem normal. If something seems a little off, if a person seems uh, a little glitchy, a little pixelated, uh, don't hesitate to document that and send it my way. Because as you know, our world is so glitchy and it's so strange. for sticking with me all the way to the end. Each season of So Strange will revolve around a secret password. At the end of each episode, I'll give listeners one letter from that secret word. So as more episodes are released, you can collect more letters. And at the end of each season, those who have collected all the letters can use them to unscramble the secret password. As you've gathered, it's not really rocket science. Uh, this first season of So Strange will be comprised of 12 episodes. Therefore, the secret password at the end of the season will contain 12 letters. You catch my drift. So the secret password will, of course, be paranormal in nature.
Those who crack the code will gain certain perks and prizes, such as special episodes and a few more things that I have up my sleeve. So at the end of the season, feel free to email me the secret password to andymyersmanagement at gmail.com. The secret letter for today's episode is S, S as in Sasquatch. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.